right, now I want you to pray over yourself. Put your hands on. Who needs prayer the most in the world? Myself. (laughs) So, Jesus, we pray right now that you would send your word to me today. Deposit your word in my heart as seed that it would produce life and fruit everywhere, everywhere in every part of my life and my bloodline. (laughs) In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew um, 27 and 28. We're going to be there. We'll probably skim through some of that. Um, We'll probably tell some of the story and skim some of it. But today I wanted to continue what I've started over the last few weeks. And we've been talking about breaking free from worry, anxiety, being entangled. How many of you have heard the last couple of messages? Being entangled with the things of this world, with the patterns of this world, with the constrictor that's here to steal life from us. And uh, there's, there's a simple tactic the enemy uses to do this, and it's called fear. It's fear. Everyone say the word fear. Now, there's a good fear that's the antidote to all of the fear, and it's the fear of the Lord. And if you're struggling or if you have struggled with worry, fear, or anxiety, Jesus is here today to set you free from the false fear and to restore a fear of the Lord in our hearts. Now, this is going to be a resurrection message. This is an Easter message, but it ties up really well what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. God wants us to disengage with the world and engage with the kingdom. He wants us to disengage with the struggle and the wrestling of the world system, the wrestling with sin, the wrestling with our minds, all the wrestling we've been doing. He wants us to disengage and to engage with him. It's, a, it's from something to something. He saved us out of darkness into light. And so I, I can't wrestle with these things and engage with him at the same time. Like Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. He's talking about money and, and God, but it, it applies here. You can't serve two masters. You'll, you'll serve one and disregard the other, or you'll hold to this one and, and forget that one. No one can serve two masters. And so it's impossible to be entangled with the things of this world and be captured by the kingdom. And God wants us to be captured by the kingdom. And so there's been something that's been stirring in my heart. And I was reading uh, in Matthew 22, and we won't read this, but I just want to give a background to where we're going. In Matthew 22, the Sadducees said, come to Jesus, and they begin to tell him that they didn't believe that there was a resurrection of the dead. Now, isn't it interesting that before Jesus is going to die and be resurrected, the enemy is sowing seeds of, hey, there's no such thing as resurrection, Five chapters before this whole story that Jesus is about to go through, the Sadducees are playing the seed and all of the people that can hear them, oh, there's no resurrection of the dead. And they would ask this ridiculous question. They're like, well, what if a man had seven wives in his life and, and whose, whose wife will be his wife in the resurrection? And they started asking these ridiculous questions and Jesus stopped them and, and basically said, these are things you don't understand, it's like when you're, when you're in heaven, you're not going to be giving in marriage and, and living the same style of life that you have here. Like you're, you're putting your value system on heavens and it doesn't equate. It's not the same. And, he's, and, he, and he astounded them. All right? He astounded them with their wisdom. But I wanted to point out that before there's a resurrection in our life, the enemy will always come ahead of time and try to sow seeds that says, oh, there's no resurrection. There's no change from this. There's no better outcome for you. Like no one in your family has overcome this. 
No one in your family has broken through this barrier. This, this has been this way for a long time. It's not going to change. And the enemy sows these seeds of doubt because he wants us to believe the lies. Come on. You know the old saying, if you believe the lie, you empower the liar. Amen. And if Satan has been stripped of all power, how many believe that? Like, that's what Jesus did on the cross. Like, he, he didn't just die. He went on a journey while he was gone, and he took care of some business, right? He went into hell and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. He took them back from Satan, the prince and the power of the air, prior to this moment. He took away all power from him, and he took it back. And then when he was resurrected, he says, I have all power and authority. It's been given to me. And then he told us, and now I give it to you. I love that Jesus shares, like, here, I have all power and authority. Now you have all power and authority. And so Jesus went and he did something, and he broke this, this, this chain, this, this mindset, this authority that Satan had. He broke it once and for all, right? The liar was put in his place once and for all. And so if he was disempowered in that moment, there's only one way to give him power back, and that's for him to borrow ours, and the way he does that is he causes us to come into agreement with him. Yeah. Come on. Through fear, offense, um, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, unforgiveness. And this is the only way we can re-empower the enemy. And today God wants us to realize the authority that we carry. Now in, in Matthew 27, it tells the whole story of Jesus' resurrection. Now remember the, Pharise- the Sadducees, excuse me, this time they were the bad guys. They were saying there's no resurrection of the dead, right? But here we are in, in uh, Matthew 27, the whole chapter. We're going to just summarize it. It's a long chapter. Here we're going to go from verse 1. Jesus was handed over to Pilate to be tried, right? The Bible says that he didn't utter one word in his defense. He fulfilled prophecy by not speaking a word in his own defense, right? The Bible says that Judas went out and hung himself because of the guilt that he felt for disobeying or for, for uh, dishonoring and to betraying Jesus. He goes out and literally hangs himself and throws the 30 pieces of silver that he won down. Jesus faces Pilate and he's going before him. You see this? Then, they, then he asks, hey, who do you want? Do you want the, one of these prisoners over here or do you want us to set Jesus free? I mean, remember that. And what did the crowd chant? Oh, oh my goodness. Now, you're like, well, I wouldn't have yelled that. We live in a time where we have seen what happens when a mob gets going. And when you're in a mob mentality, when you're in a mob and a mob gets uh, stirred up for whatever reason or cause, whatever that mob tells you to yell, you will yell. You're like, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have yelled, give us Barabbas. They all started chanting, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. And I can't even, I can't even imagine. But if I was there... Do I think that I wouldn't have stumbled and fallen? I hope not, but mob mentality. Then the Bible says that the soldiers begin to mock Jesus. How many remember that? They begin to cast lots for his robe and his clothes, and they begin to, oh, if you're really the son of God, why are you letting this stuff happen to you? Come on, you know? And then they put him on the cross. They crucify him. Now, this really happens. I'm summarizing it, but I want you, I want you to know, like, Jesus, a man, he was man. He literally was hung on a cross. They literally beat him. 
They pulled his beard out. I mean, I, I cry when I pull one eyebrow out of my, <laughs> this eyebrow is getting a little crazy. I'm looking like an old man with a long eyebrow. Like, All right, we've got to pull that out. That hurts. They were ripping Jesus's beard from his face and they did it so much so that he was unrecognizable. They couldn't even tell who he was. They beat him so, so badly. And Jesus really went through this as a man. He literally went through this experience, the pain. And he did that because he thought we were worth it. He thought you were worth it. I was worth it. So they hang Jesus on a cross, and then they put this sign on there that says, King of the Jews, to make fun of him. Like, oh, what kind of king's going to let himself be treated this way? What kind of king does have authority to stop this from happening? And they're making fun of him, and they, they took his garments, they, they cast lots for it, and they're like, oh, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And, and then there were two robbers. Remember the two robbers, one on the right, one on the left? And, and one was making fun, and one said, hey, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he says, hey, this day you will be with me in paradise. Man, I love that. I love that Jesus stopped, in the, even in the cross, and pain and suffering. He might not have even been able to see out of his eyes from the beating. He still stopped for the man who reached out in faith. And that's just Jesus. And then you know the story. They came up and, and, and they, they, they took Jesus and, and he looks up to heaven and he cries out with, a, with this last breath. What did he say? It is finished. Everyone say that out. It is finished. Those three powerful words, it is finished. And the Bible says that when that happened, this is in uh, Matthew uh, 27, verse 50, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He said, it is finished. And he yielded his spirit. He gave up his spirit and he died. And then what happened? The graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised from the dead. There was a resurrection that happened immediately. Remember the Sadducees were trying to tell everyone, there's no resurrection. And I love that when Jesus dies, he's, he's testifying as other people are being resurrected from the dead, that, hey, I'm, I promise you I'm going to be resurrected. And I want you to know that today that the word resurrection, it means the, the, the Greek word for it as agora. All right. And I want to just go through this real quickly. I promise we're going somewhere. The word agora now remember the enemy was lying. He's trying to steal the seed of God before it happens because when we believe the enemy, resurrection becomes something we're afraid of. If I don't have the fear of the Lord, then what resurrection means for my life becomes something I'm afraid of. Now, the word, have you heard of the word agoraphobia? That's what that word resurrection comes from. That word comes from that word resurrection. It's the same root word, agora, agoraphobia. So when you and I don't have the fear of the Lord, we turn the, what's supposed to be a resurrection into a jail cell. And we become afraid of the very thing that God is calling us to. Let me break it down like this. Agoraphobia is an anxiety disorder. It's accompanied by panic attacks. Like you don't want to go out in public. You're afraid of being in public places. You're afraid of being around people. Does that sound familiar right now? 
And I feel this is very strongly. It's a fear from, from moving from death to life, a fear of the unknown, a fear of something we can't see or touch, a fear of a, of a disease, a fear of a sickness, whatever it is. And I feel like this global pandemic, and this is where I wanted to get to, this global pandemic was the enemy being like the Sadducees, trying to preempt a great awakening that was going to happen on the earth. And he was trying to cause the church to withdraw themselves into their homes with agoraphobia, where we're afraid to go out in public. We're afraid to be around people. We're afraid of this and that. And I'm not saying that you don't use wisdom. That is not this message today. The message is we can't stay in our houses and be the church that God called us to be. He rose from the dead so that we would be resurrected, not so that we would be in a jail cell. Now, that's what happened when Jesus died on the cross. Where did the disciples go? They went into a quarantine. For three days, they went and hid themselves. They were afraid. They were what? They were afraid of what was going to happen to them because people knew them. They knew they were Jesus' followers. And when one kingdom, when one king is displaced, what happens to the people that followed that king? Off with their head. They were afraid, so they went and hid in their houses. They went and hid away from the public because they knew something bad could happen to them. And that's what we've been as a church for a long time. It's been going on for over a year now, and I feel like the enemy was trying to stop a move of God on the earth. And I love that I've seen these outward breakthroughs, like people like Sean Foyt and these other people have said, you know what? We can't gather in a church. Let's go to a park. Let's go into the streets. And they're seeing miracles and signs and wonders and their dead are being raised. Amazing things are happening because the church says, I'm not agoraphobic anymore. I'm resurrected. It's the same word. It's fear involved. There's fear involved in that word resurrection. And if I'm fearful of, of the enemy, if I'm fearful of what bad things can happen to me, then that thing will become a prison cell. But if I am freed by it and I have a fear of the Lord and I only trust him, then resurrection totally takes on a different meaning for me. And it means to arise, shine. Come on. Everyone say arise, shine. That's from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, come on, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. Uh-oh. Darkness will cover the earth. Yeah, but that doesn't stop us from arising and shining. Oh, but the world's never been as bad as it is right now. Every generation says that. You're like, well, it's worse now than ever. I don't know how you measure that. But I know that it doesn't matter if it's getting darker out there. If it's getting darker, then I, that's a sign. To, it's like the bat sign. It's just shining in the darkness. It's time for us to assemble. It's time for us to awaken and arise and shine. It says, for darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Like People are so stupid and crazy right now. That's right, because deep darkness has come over the earth and over the people of the earth. And the Bible says that it's impossible for foolish people to understand the ways of God. It's foolish to them. And you're like, well, why is the world in a stupor? Why are we making rules that don't even, uh, aren't even backed up by thousands of generations of science? Why are we going so far off the cliff? Because darkness has come over the earth and deep darkness over the people. But that's not what the verse stops at. <laughs> but the Lord will rise over you. Everyone say over me. So even if this stuff is going on, it doesn't give me permission to become agoraphobic and hide in my house and, and bunker down and just make sure my family's safe and make sure that my family knows the truth and make sure that I'm okay. It doesn't give me permission to do that. It says, arise and shine. Come on. And the glory of the Lord will be seen upon you. 
And then it tells you this, Gentiles and the lost shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around you and see that all, they all together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be nursed at your side. And then you will see and become radiant. Come on. And your heart will swell with joy. Everyone say amen to that. It's time for the church to be resurrected. If Christ died and was resurrected, and he says that we can have the same spirit that raised him from the dead live in us, then it's time for us to change the way we think about things. Like, we carry solutions. And I don't, this isn't a gospel that says nothing bad will happen to us. Like, this isn't a gospel that says we won't be persecuted. But the persecution is worth it if it's in the name of Jesus. But it's also the gospel that says you will drink any deadly poison and it will not harm you. It is also the gospel that says you will pick up snakes and they won't bite you and sting you. (laughs) It's time to rise and shine. So if I allow fear to put me in a prison, then I miss out on what the word resurrection could be when I fear the Lord. It means to awake from my sleep. You know, we were on a on a call this week, a, a Zoom call with Bethel Leaders Network, something Manny and I are involved in now with revival leaders all around the U.S. And so we're in our, our, our revival group and we begin to pray for Sunday. I think there was maybe 12 or, or so people on this call, most of them in ministry or pastoring of some kind. And we begin to pray and I, we all took turns to pray and, and I just felt the Lord come over me and I begin to pray that, that the people that are already saved, yeah, we want more salvations. We want more people saved. How many, I, that's, the, that's the cry of all of our hearts we want more people saved that more people go to heaven than go to hell that Jesus gets his full reward (laughs) amen but but for that to happen it requires that those who say they already believe to live like we believe and my prayer is that everyone in here that says you believe that your life will begin to prove your belief that these signs will follow those who believe. That there will be life breakout on your right and on your left. That your sons and daughters will return to the Lord when you walk into a room. That they will come into a place of repentance and conviction. Come on. That when you walk into your workplace, it shifts the atmosphere. That's what I'm talking about. If we believe, then there are things that should follow our belief. Yes. Amen. And it's time for us to awake, awake, O oh sleeper. Would you say that with me? Awake, O oh sleeper. And Christ will shine upon you. Come on. We want the light of Christ to shine upon us. All right? Being resurrected means that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Everyone say that with me. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. This is the hope of glory. (laughs) Resurrection means to be awakened or to arise from sickness, from disease, from pain, from suffering. It means to be healed. Everyone say be healed. By his stripes, we were healed. This is Isaiah 53, one through five. I'm going to read this. Who has believed our message of salvation and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, the servant of God, grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no stately manner or majestic splendor that we would look at him, nor handsome appearance that we would be attracted to him. He was despised and rejected by men. Amen? A man of sorrows, of pain, and acquainted with grief. This is Jesus. 
a man of sorrows, pain, and filled with grief, and like one from whom men hide their faces uh, as he was despised, and he did not, and we did not appreciate his worth or esteem him. Come on. But he has borne our griefs. He has borne our sorrows. He has borne our pain. And he has carried our sorrow and pain. Yet we ignorantly assumed <laughs> that he was stricken, struck down by God and degraded and humiliated by him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Like, this, this is what the scripture's saying here. Many people would say, and I've heard this recently from atheists and people that don't believe the story of Jesus. How could a good father do that to his son? Why would, a God, why would a good God punish his son that way? And he's saying, our logic says that that's what happened, that God stricken him and God punished him. But then here's the verse that we all know. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. It was not God the Father crucifying his son out of anger and punishment. It was us. And it was God's great love for us. Hey, he said, my son is a worthy sacrifice. And it was Jesus' great love for his father and for us who said, I'll go to the cross and pay the price because we were worth it. It was for our transgressions. It was for our iniquity. So when, we, when the world tries to point a finger at a father and say, you're a bad God, no, he's not. He's the best father. Come on, he's a good father. Yeah. And this was all done because of our sin. Yes. And it's time for us to awaken and not just associate with our iniquities and our sin, but to also associate with the healing that Jesus paid for at the cross. I don't know who in the room is sick in body right now or has an ailment that's been annoying you for a long time, but be well in Jesus' name. I've got about three nagging things that I deal with on a regular basis that I'm tired of dealing with. Be well in Jesus' name. Resurrection means that we get healed. Be well in Jesus' name. Come on. But the enemy has come in and he's tried to stir the church into fear and into hiding. And he wants us to awaken from our slumber. He wants us to awaken from our sleep. He wants to, uh, us to arise and shine. Come on. Amen. Jesus did rise from the dead. It really happened. And I want to close it out with this. And I'm, I'm talking to you as mature believers. Amen? How many received that? I'm talking to me as a mature believer. It is time to stop being a child and to stop being a teenager. And it's time, I'm talking spiritually, it's time for us to awaken to what we've been called to do. Like we, it's not time to play around anymore. It's not time for the bless me and my family only mindset anymore. It's not time for we, we go to church to fulfill an obligation or for entertainment or for whatever the reasons that we do it for. We go to church to be equipped to arise and shine. We go to the church to be equipped to be released into a dark world so that we can lift the cover of darkness off of their minds. That's why we're here. That's our assignment. And the enemy has tricked us and he has lied to us. Oh, there's no resurrection for you. 
There's no hope for what you're going through. It's just the way your family is. It's just the way you're going to have to live. It's something you're going to have to deal with, and it's a complete and utter lie. And if you hear the enemy ever say things like that to you, it should be a clear sign that he knows something's about to break through in your life. Because he knows how God works, and God always announces a new season to us. Do y'all know that? Every new season that we go into, every season of breakthrough, every new thing God does in our life, he will always come to us beforehand and whisper it into our ear. There's a new season coming. There's a new authority coming. He's like, behold, a new thing I will do. It's going to spring up like a river. Do you not see it? Because he's trying to get our hearts and our affections attracted to what he's attracted to. So he tells us in advance, get ready. I remember Bishop Jake's, get ready, get ready, get ready. Hey, get ready for what I'm about to do. You're like, well, why would we, why would we tell, why would he tell us ahead of time and make us wait? <laughs> like, have you ever had a great surprise for your kids and you want to tell them, right? Hey, today you wake up and then we're going to go bowling. You tell them ahead of time and it's misery for that two hours till you get to the bowling alley or whatever you're going to do with the kids because they're like, why are we not bowling yet? Are we bowling yet? Are we bowling yet? And we feel that way sometimes when God tells us ahead of time. But do you know what it's doing? It's setting our heart on a journey. It's setting our heart on an adventure. It's giving us something to aim at. And he tells us ahead of time so that we can bring our affections and our attention to the proper aim because we get what we aim at. And the enemy does the same thing that God does. He tries to come ahead of time and preempt the move of God and preempt an awakening that's happening. And he tries to tell us, hey, that's not going to happen for you. It's, and he tries to tell us bad news. And he tries to steal our joy and our hope. And he tries to sell us this bit of lies. Because if our hearts will become attracted to the lies, if our hearts become aimed at the lies, then we miss the thing God's doing in the future. And we've got to take authority over our hope and authority over what we put our attention to. We've got to break the entanglement with the lies of the enemy. You know how to shut him up? Don't believe the lies. It's the only way he gets any power or authority is through lying to us. There is a resurrection. Come on. There is. Jesus was resurrected. And someday, everyone that believes in Jesus that dies is going to be resurrected from the dead. That's going to happen. Come on. It's a real thing. It's not a fairy tale or a story. We will be resurrected and called up to meet him. All our loved ones that have gone on before us, they're going to be resurrected. We're going to meet him in heaven and have a big party. It's real. But there's also a resurrection right here and right now. Shagun nailed it. He came to give us life abundantly. And he's talking about the here and now. Yeah. It matters right now. Last thing. So he told us that if we would steward what we have now well, then he would give us true riches. I'm setting something up as we move forward. If we steward the resurrection he's already given us in our life, if we come alive in the areas he's already spoken, come alive, come alive, come alive. And if we begin to live as alive people, then the Bible says that he will release to us true riches, which are the riches of the kingdom. 
because we steward well what he's already given us, what he's already resurrected. We take good care of it. Come on. We, we, it's our precious. We take care of it. We hold it close. We steward it really well. Then he'll give us true riches. You know what true riches are? It's his kingdom. It's the ability to raise the dead. Oh, I don't know about that. I heard, I've heard in the last two weeks of two or three testimonies of people being resurrected from the dead. Literal resurrection stories. One of them has, a, has an actual doctor's report, actual resurrection from the dead. Like, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. that it happens. It does happen. I've heard of stories, like, I don't know if you've, there's this new song out right here, and they begin to prophesy in the, in the bridge part of it. It's like, don't tell me he can't, don't you tell me he can't do it. Have you heard that song? Um, you got you to gotta go, Bethel's Worship from last, last Sunday, go watch it like 50 minutes in, and you, you won't do anything the rest of the week. You will cry. And it says, I've seen metal plates dissolve. They're starting na- naming testimonies that have happened that they've physically seen uh, at Bethel and the places of, of revival that they've been in. I've seen cancers disappear. I've seen mental health restored. And they begin to prophesy, don't tell me he can't do it. See, these are true riches. Preserving our life is not true riches. Playing it safe and hiding is not true riches. If we try to preserve our life, we'll actually end up losing it. If we try to stay safe, everyone stay safe. Yeah. Put bubble wrap on all of our kids, not let them experience any pain. It's not good for us. It's not good for our kids. Come on. Mm. I want true riches. Yeah. True riches. And what that means to me is that I, if I... If I am engaged in a conversation with someone and they tell me that they're hurting, that's an invitation for me to see them healed. If I'm in a conversation and someone just, for whatever reason, tells me, man, I'm having problems in my marriage, recognize that as the true riches of God rising to the surface and inviting you into an opportunity to bless their marriage, to bring healing to their marriage. If we're in conversation and someone begins to tell us of, of trouble that they're having with a, with a child who's run away from the Lord, take that as an invitation to call back the sons and daughters, to bring back the prodigals from the lost places. Come on. We need to, if we hear it, it's not accidental that people tell us these things. <laughs> I, I've, I had, I've told this before from up here, but the weirdest thing happens to me all the time. It literally will happen at least one time every week. I don't even wear a priest collar everywhere I go. But I will stop and, stop and start pumping gas, and the guy next to me will start confessing his sin to me. It's the weirdest. He'll start saying, yeah, man, I was out here the other day, and my girl this, and he'll start struggling. He'll start telling me everything about it. It's like, what? Why are you telling me? I don't, he doesn't even know me. And he'll start telling me. It happens all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. The Lord is inviting me in to bring freedom to people. Yeah. And, it, and sometimes it's an annoyance. Yeah. Sometimes like, man, I'm just trying to get my gas and go. I don't need to hear all this. Sometimes you're, you're like, all right, is this person sane? Or they, like, and, and, it, and sometimes it just blows your mind the things that people tell you. You're like, why? 
It's the language of the Spirit. It is an invitation for me to see where I am resurrected and have resurrection life in me. You have resurrection life in you. Think back over the last week. Has anything weird like that happened to you? Has anyone told you something? Has anyone bore their their soul, their problems, their issues to you? Has anyone confided something in you? It's an invitation to bring resurrection to their life. Come on, that's true riches. And, And it's give it away. Give it away to everyone you can. Just give it away. And you get healing, and you get a fixed marriage, and you get a restored relationship with your sons and daughters. Come on, that's who we are in the kingdom as resurrected people. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And then it says, what will he do? He will quicken our mortal bodies. In other words, our bodies will line up with what heaven wants to do, and we will become part of the solution. Would you stand with me? God, I'm asking you right now to bring resurrection into this body. God, I ask that every one of us to say we believe in it, that we will begin to experience it and live it, God. I ask, and we put a demand on signs and wonders in our life. We put a demand on seeing salvations, that we would win souls and be wise. Come on, would you pray that with me? God, I put a demand on my life to win souls for your kingdom. Say this, God, I put a demand on my life to prophesy life to people. I put a demand on my life to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to cleanse lepers, to heal COVID. Come on, to raise the dead. In Jesus' name, I put a demand on my life to stand in the gap for those that are taken advantage of. Because I have been resurrected. Come on. I have been resurrected. I want to ask this. As we're, going to, we're going to have an altar time. We're going to pray. But I want to ask this. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. Are, is there anyone here or anyone on Facebook that you would like to give your life to Jesus? You want to just give your heart to Jesus. You want to surrender to him. You want resurrection life in your life. If that's you right now, would you just reach out to him? I don't need a physical sign. I just need you to reach out to him right now. I just need you to step out in faith and ask Jesus to come. Turn your heart to him right now. He's been calling you. If you made it, if you're on Facebook and you made it this far, he's been talking to you. Come on, reach out to him. Like, what does it mean to be saved? (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. You have been made a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. What does it mean to be saved? You get healing and deliverance. If you're bound, if, you're, if you have addictions, then he brings freedom as part of the, the package plan of salvation. So to be saved, healed, delivered, you are given eternal life through Jesus. That's what it means to be saved. And then immediately you get to join in and do the stuff that Jesus did. That's what it means to be saved. So if that's you, just ask him, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Resurrect me from the dead. Speak life to every dead place in me. Heal my body. Set me free from addiction. Come on. Set me free from chains. I hear chains being broken right now. That's what it means to be saved. Ignite me with fire right now. Come on. I'm alive and I'm on fire. Mm. What, what should I do now that I'm, I'm saved? 
You should become a disciple and follow Jesus. You should pray every single day. You should read your Bible every single day because God talks to us. God talks to every one of us. And the way we learn his voice is we learn it through the word of God. Why is it important to read the word? Not to, to just learn. It makes us familiar with his voice, with his nature. And it helps us to recognize him. So maybe it's time we re-familiarize ourselves with his word. The word made flesh, Jesus, come on, and his word, spoken word. Anyone here who's been struggling with fear, paralyzing fear, fear of public places, fear of tight places, any kind of fear, you are free in Jesus' name. Signs of fear, worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety. The Bible tells us not to be anxious about anything, but in everything to bring our request before the Lord, to pray about it. Don't be anxious, pray. Worry and anxiety is us imagining our future without him in the middle of it. It's us imagining that problem having to be solved without God's help. And it's us in our own strength trying to noodle this thing out without him. So you are free from worry and anxiety right now in Jesus' name. Be anxious for nothing. It's a command. We release it as a declaration right now. Be anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious. Do not worry what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. For your Father knows all the things that you have need of, and He will supply them to you. He will take care of you. Come on. He will supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If you're worried about a thing right now, don't worry. He's got it. You belong to him. We belong to him. Jesus. I want to pray one more prayer. I want to invite Hank to close it out. We'll pray with you here at the front if you want prayer. But one more thing I want to pray about. And I'm serious about this, okay? I don't think that anything has my heart more now than this prayer. I want to see miracles, signs, and wonders, salvations, the greatest miracle, happen in our time and our day. There's an old prayer in Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, Lord, we have heard of your fame. We stand in awe of your wonderful deeds. Renew them in our day. In your wrath, remember mercy. In our time, make them known. And so, God, this is my prayer now. You have called us (laughs) to do greater things than these. And God, I ask right now that you would grip Fire Life's heart for the supernatural. That we'll do our best with the things we can, but God, that we will see supernatural happen on the right and on the left. I ask that miracles and signs and wonders, salvations and healings will take place, God. It is not a resurrected experience to not see these things. 
And this is not shame. This is a calling forward. This is an invitation. This is not a slap over the head. It's an invitation to step into the greater. So I ask you, God, right now, that everyone in this room, they will see miracles, signs, and wonders begin to happen. That crazy things will begin to happen crazy things will begin to happen in their life as they call on you. You said, call on me and answer, call on me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things that we haven't even thought of. God, I release that over every family here, over every business here, over every home, over every marriage. Miracles and signs and wonders break through life everywhere. <sighs> yeah, Jesus. Come on up if you would. If you have offering, we have buckets here. Shagoon and Rodney will have buckets for you if you want to give in person. Thank you, Hank. Thank you. Gosh, I love it. I love the message of the resurrection. Um, <laughs> I want to call it Easter. I want to call it the, the, the resurrection, the, the message of the resurrection. Uh, this morning, I, I heard uh, just the, the beginning, first line of a song, and it says, I've heard a thousand stories. And, and something rose up within me. And I was like, I want a story. <laughs> I don't want to stop. I'm, I'm tired of hearing of, about them. I want my story. I want it in me. Like, and, and that's what the resurrection is. It's where the rubber meets the road in our faith. I mean, it is real. It is real. It is more real than the ground you're standing on. This is real. Jesus was a five foot 11, 175 pound man. He's real. And he, I love the song where it says, and he began to breathe again. You're like, whoa, whoa, these goosebumps go through your 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 body of, of he is alive. And and I, I, during prayer this morning, the verse that popped in uh, uh, my head was uh, out, of, out of John 14, it says, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and uh, my father will love him and we will come into him and make our home with him. This resurrected, like Jesus is alive. The five foot 11 man, his, his spirit lives in you and it is real and you can have a story. Your stories, I mean, miracles begin to happen. Miracles, again, he is in you. He's camped out. He's sitting in your home. He's in your living room, in your, in your, inside you. Some of us have been ignoring that. Turn those lights on. He's in the corner. He's waiting, reading the newspaper, just waiting for you to interact with him, to see the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the, the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Again, we are at war and the enemy is trying to destroy every ounce of that. No, 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 never again. And for those of you guys who have never opened your heart to Jesus to come in, he stands at the door and knocks loudly. He's there. He's not giving up. He will never give up. He will keep knocking until you say, yes, I surrender to you, Jesus. I give my whole life to you. And we love you guys. We want to pray for you. Uh, uh, intercessors, our, our uh, altar team, come on up. Uh, we want to pray for you guys. Uh, we want to pray you start having stories. <laughs> you start getting thousands of stories for your own personal life. And it's good to hear stories, but it's also so much better to experience them yourself. It is real. Every other religion is dead. Jesus is alive. <laughs> so come on, get prayer. We love you guys. Happy Easter. And uh, uh, we, uh, we just bless you guys and your families that life would just fill your homes in your, your home inside of you and your home physically. Jesus.